0: Welcome to The Waves, Slate's podcast about gender, feminism, and older women sleeping in bunk beds, performing in talent shows, and putting on silly costumes for cheesy photo shoots, all in the hopes of finding their final true love on TV. Yes, we're talking The Golden Bachelor, and whether this more mature version of the long-running franchise is a boon or a bust for representing daters in the second half of life. Every episode, you get a new pair of feminists to talk about the thing we can't get off our minds. And today, you've got me, Laura Stassi. I'm the host of the podcast, Dating While Gray. I'm also co-host of Slate's Golden Bachelor Recap Podcast. I'll be joined soon by Vulture staff writer, Catherine Van Arendok. I remember when I first heard The Bachelor was planning a grown-up spinoff. It was in February of 2020. The producers put out a casting call looking for, quote, Active and outgoing single men and women aged 65 and up for a new, exciting dating show. I was only 59 then, too young to apply, but I was intrigued and also skeptical. When that casting notice came out, I was launching the first season of Dating While Gray. At that point, I'd spent two years talking to people 50 and older about how they were finding a new romantic partner for the later years of life. I'm Laura Stassi. For many of us who are looking for romance again after a long time off the market, there's a new wrinkle, so to speak. I haven't had a serious relationship since my son was born. (laughs) I find it pretty hard to date, you know. Um, I say that I just really need a boyfriend between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. only. (laughs) We also talked about the myriad issues older couples face to keep the relationship strong and fulfilling. And I was on the dating market myself after a gray divorce. So I know personally and professionally that of course it's possible to fall madly in love at any age and to get overly emotional and sometimes do crazy things. Stop looking for the woman that you can live with. I'm falling in love with you, Gary. I'm in the same place. And start looking for the woman that you just can't live without. I am so excited. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. No, he's going to send you home. I want to wring the little one's neck, but he likes her. If he loves you and you love him, I'll be at the wedding. But in the meantime, zip it. But older singles each bring to the table full lives already lived. We're not looking for someone to complete our lives. We're looking for someone to enhance them. I also know that many younger people really don't want to think about older singles getting romantic, especially if it's their mom or dad. So how much of all this do The Bachelor producers understand and respect? That was my burning question before The Golden Bachelor premiered. Plus, what modifications would they make in their long-running franchise to honor the journey of older singles? Three episodes in, I have noticed some changes. But I've also noticed that some Bachelor traditions are stubbornly being held onto. And I'm wondering if they serve either the viewers or The Golden Bachelor cast members. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, I'll be joined by Catherine Van Arendoek, and we'll be talking about that. Catherine's a staff writer at Vulture, and she wrote a piece headlined, Why Did The Golden Bachelor Have To Be Like This? Stay with us. Hey, Waves listeners, if you're loving the show and want to hear more, subscribe to our feed. New episodes come out every Thursday morning. While you're there, check out our other episodes, too, like last week, where guest host T.K. Dutez spoke with former TV writer Patty Lynn on her choice to take a year-long sabbatical. You'll also stay updated on The Golden Bachelor with our recaps every Friday morning. Check it out. Welcome back to The Waves. I'm Laura Stasi, and I'm joined now by Catherine Van Arendock, a staff writer at Vulture. Catherine, welcome. Thanks so much. So I confess, I got a little bit carried away with the premiere of The Golden Bachelor. It wasn't until episode two, when we saw the bunk beds, that I thought, wait a minute, they're making older women sleep on bunk beds? But it sounds like you were let down from the get-go. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I was really interested to check out The Golden Bachelor in part because ABC really wanted everyone to be interested in checking out The Golden Bachelor. There was this onslaught of promotion for it in a way that there really has not been for a season of Bachelor or Bachelorette in quite a while. And it really felt like ABC has been trying to communicate that, like, this is the new Bachelor, like, this is the new exciting thing in this franchise and I'm a person who has watched quite a bit of bachelor in my life. I remember watching very very early seasons. I covered it on and off for vulture particularly earlier in my career and then I had checked out of bachelor for quite a while. So I thought let's let's check back in. Let's see what's <laughs> going on in the bachelor universe. And maybe I was So hyped that I was sort of prepared to kind of see... The downsides of it. Um, I had heard from my colleagues as well, actually, who had gotten screeners that they really liked it. And I turned it on and I felt bad. <laughs> felt bad, man.
0: <laughs> well, let's, I want to get in, more into that. But, you know, you talk about these promos. And for me, the promos were so like they were making laughingstocks of older people. And then I saw the premiere and I thought, okay. Other than Jimmy Kimmel's aunt, they really aren't. But then episode two, I'm thinking, yeah, they're setting up older people to be laughing stocks. But you kind of, what did you think about that premiere that really got you thinking, this is not going to be for me?
1: Well, so I was really hoping that rather than simply casting older people and then reimagining the show around what that whole cohort would be like... I was really hoping that that was kind of the approach that they were going to take. And instead, it became very clear to me from early in the first episode, and then especially late um, in the like coming up this season on uh, preview that they often give you, that that was not what was happening. That in fact, they were just sort of shoehorning a different cast into the same Bachelor mold which is going to do a number of things. For one, people are not the same at all points in their lives, and it's bizarre to kind of treat them that way. But also that in this case in particular, the idea of taking older cast members and then sort of treating them as though they are 25 has this effect of laughing at the fact that they are older, right? That there's like an inherent comedy in the idea that they would even find themselves in this situation that is very different when this is a group of, you know, 25 to 30 year olds.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, And I have noticed some tweaks. Like I wasn't a huge Bachelor fan beforehand, but um, I've noticed that it is a shorter show in length. It's a smaller cast. It sounds like there are pretty efficient eliminations. He's getting rid of people one by one very quickly or three by three. But the format, as you mentioned, for finding quote unquote true love hasn't changed, even though the track record for younger singles, that format has not necessarily led to finding true love. So what format changes would you have liked to have seen, at least with this older crowd?
1: I mean, there are a number of things. Some of them are format and some of them are more overall approach. So for instance, it is bizarre to me that they have to live in the bachelor mansion. Like that is absolutely strange. I understand that for this franchise, there's like a cachet to that place. We see the, what it looks like, you know, the weird fake stucco, olive garden, buca de beppo kind of uh, (laughs) approach. And we say like, they've hosed down the driveway again. Let's go. It's bachelor time. And I I get that, but I I think they probably could have just with a completely different visual approach, a new place, people having their own bedrooms, like all of these things, I think would have helped create an impression that everyone was there for dignified reasons. (laughs) And I think most crucially, could have then created this sense that being there for dignified reasons did not necessarily mean bad television, right? Oh, good point. I think. Part of what Bachelor seems to be in this cycle of is this belief that people are being humiliated, perhaps consensually, but that it is to create good TV. And there does not seem to be this willingness to reconsider the fact that people could actually be interesting and worth caring about and also be humans and who don't need to participate in, say, Bizarre talent shows on a moment's notice that make them feel terrible,
0: you know? Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, you talked a little bit about the cast. Not to be shallow, but I have read a lot of criticism on social media about their looks And a lot of that criticism is coming from older women saying, okay, these women are outliers. And then I read something about Golden Bachelor Gary. Oh, he's too good looking. He's not a grandpa. And so it strikes me, I would like to think these people are not outliers. I'm an older dater. These people don't stand out as particularly unusual to me, except for they're all in the same house at the same time. But that they also very much are in the bachelor mode, really. I mean, they're very TV worthy.
1: The looks thing, I think, is fascinating. I don't always know exactly how to talk my way through some kind of proposed solution to it. Because it feels like part of what is happening is that people are being cast, right? Producers are looking at them and saying like, yes, you look like you're going to be good on TV or whatever. But there is a self-selection process as well. Generally, people don't want to go on a show like this if they (laughs) feel like they are not going to present the best version of themselves, or if the best version of themselves, they feel like does not fit with like what the show's aesthetic is. So there is a kind of cycle that's a little hard to escape there. But I found, I mean, looks and sort of body type is one thing. The thing that I found to be notable and I don't have any sense of whether this is how the cast decided to dress themselves or whether there was producer's suggestion or intervention, is that they're all still wearing this like prom formal wear in a lot of mm. cases. And that to me is the kind of thing that like you could come in and with all different kinds of body types or um, you could have any kind of body and also dress it in a way that you found both flattering and comfortable without it having to look like you were... <laughs> the mother of the bride, do you know what I'm saying? And it 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 feels like instead they were being, again, put into this mold that came from a, a different type of show with a different type of cast. And it just is yet another way that it seems like either there was unwillingness or a lack of desire to shift what the show show's previous
0: identity was. Yeah, and even some of the first dates are so... So fairy tale. I'm still waiting. Now, again, we've only seen, what, three episodes. So we really don't know exactly what they're going to be getting into. But there are, it felt to me like with the younger viewers, they don't really have a whole lot to talk about only because they really haven't lived that much of a life. You can talk about your future, you know, where you want to live, how many kids you want to have. But these contestants all have so much that they could be talking about. And at the same time, we're not seeing any of that or very, very little of that.
1: This is yet another thing that is very hard to know how that thing is being created. Is that because they're being given talking points from the producers who say, "All right, you're going on a date with so and so, sit down, talk about these two things?" Is that because they did talk about other things and then those were edited out? Is that because they didn't talk about other We we have no we have no idea what's going on here. And because Bachelor is sort of notoriously secretive also in the way that it creates these shows, nobody is allowed to go watch them make it. Nobody's like giving (laughs) uh, open interviews about how their production goes. It is very hard to understand. So all you can do is just look at the result and say, like, all I see are these two people sitting in a diner booth Watching somebody perform Don't Stop Believing and then being told that they now have a very deep connection.
0: Yeah. Or, and Gary keeps preaching, you know, it's never too late. It's never too late. And I'm like, Gary, you haven't found it yet. What makes you the expert on finding love? And that's when I start to think, okay, this is pretty scripted.
1: Yeah. I mean, I get like, I don't know. I, I truly don't, I truly don't know whether this is. Where he is, and like, this is a thing he is telling himself to like convince himself, whether this is because he doesn't have words that are sort of readily in his head, and so the producer is prompting him. There is no way to really fully understand exactly without watching the raw footage, which is would always be so fascinating to be able to have. And so, what we have is this very surface level production that is insisting that what we actually have is something very deep in their cores. And it's really hard to get past the the cognitive dissonance of those two things.
0: Yeah. Is it like that with The Bachelor as well? Do you think that they just felt like they didn't need? I, I don't know. I'm trying to get behind the minds of the producers. Do you feel like they are just, I don't know, if you had to describe them, are they lazy? Are they clueless? Are they sadistic? I mean, what, what is no. the...
1: No, no, absolutely not. They are making TV on a model that has been successful. They have a specific format that they are working within that includes both what the people need to do do in order to sort of get to the end of the show. But it also includes the way that they know the show will be edited so that they know people need to say full sentences that they can use as little bites to get people into the beginning and end of a scene. They know that they're going to have to create these promo reels at the end of every episode. And so they want to be able to clip those together. They know that they work within commercial breaks. And so there'll be a break and you come back and then you need somebody to say like, I've always wanted to go on a date with a thing. And so, like, yes, there is a lot of sculpting that has to happen to mm-hmm. the way a regular person speaks in order to create these nice little packaged segments. So, you know, look, far be it from me to understand, to try to grasp what is happening in total behind the scenes there. But I, I wouldn't call it necessarily laziness or malice, although. Who knows?
0: <laughs> I <But> suspect sometimes.
1: <laughs> we all suspect sometimes, but but it is very much just working into into a, a pattern that they understand. And once that pattern is in place, it's so much harder to then say, like, let's break it. Let's do something else."
0: going to take a break here, but if you want to hear more from Catherine Arendach and me on another topic, check out our Slate Plus segment, where today we're talking about another reality TV show, Project Greenlight, A New Generation. And please consider supporting the show by joining Slate Plus. Members get benefits like zero ads on any Slate podcast, no hitting the paywall on the Slate site, and bonus content of shows like this one. To learn more, go to slate.com slash the waves plus. Welcome back to The Waves. I'm Laura Stasi, host of the podcast Dating While Gray. And I'm with Catherine Van Arendok, TV critic for Vulture. And Catherine, we've been talking about the Bachelor franchise's need to stick to a traditional framework, even when they make a new series with older contestants but you write that it doesn't have to be that way. And you give the show some suggestions as to how to make it more appropriate for the older lead and the contestants. Could you lay out for us some of the things you suggest?
1: Well, first of all, I mean, I think the whole thing should look like a Nancy Myers movie, right? Like (laughs) they should be in a beautiful beach house somewhere. The kitchen should be, you know, marble and, and everyone should be able to Like retreat to a large bedroom with a huge private closet. And so just from a looks perspective, that alone, like I'm sort of joking, but I'm sort of not. It would really jar an audience into thinking like, oh, this is a different thing. I don't have to come into this with the same expectations that I had at previous parts of this franchise. The other thing is that I would have done away with a lot of the incredibly mannered, structured dates. It is just as interesting to watch people sit around and talk to each other naturally as it is to have these incredibly heightened, high stakes dates. And if they had been able to embrace the idea that these people could probably come to some interesting places just on their own by virtue of the stakes of being on this show, you might see conversations that looked quite different. The most gruesome part of this show, actually, to me, in the very first episode is when the host, Jesse Palmer, is doing the rose ceremony And they've clearly kept them up so late that it is now broad daylight again. And he has to say, it is the final rose this morning. And I don't know whether usually they film at a different time of year or something, some schedule shifted. Usually they say it's the final rose tonight. But the fact that he had to say final rose this morning because it's so bright outside, my whole brain just said, like, what are we doing here, guys? Like, this is a nightmare. Let these people go to bed.
0: Oh, I didn't even catch that. It will be better TV. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that Golden Bachelor Gary was toasting with orange juice. And I thought, oh, he doesn't drink. I didn't think, oh, it's breakfast time. (laughs) No, they've been torturing these people with sleep
1: deprivation, I think. Or they all went to bed and woke them up again. Regardless, some kind of TV thing happened. And it, it really makes it hard to buy into... The sincerity of their emotions when you're just watching the falseness of this TV production the entire time.
0: Mm. Well, I know that as an older dater, and I host a podcast, Dating While Gray, I know that there are so many good conversations to be had, even if it's nothing more than I have a full life in New Jersey. Golden Bachelor, Gary, you're in Indiana. Have you thought about if we were to actually feel a connection, how are we going to maneuver this? Are you expecting me to, you know, give up everything I've built and move to be with you? Or do you want to come live with me because this house reminds you so much of your dearly departed wife? And I think it's interesting that you picked up on kind of shallow conversations that are just part of the normal Bachelor franchise. So do you think they get any kind of input on what they want to talk to these people about? Or do you think it basically it's still a gut level? Hey, are you attracted to this person? And then just have kind of a TV conversation.
1: I honestly do not know. I think so later in previous sort of standard issue bachelor seasons, there have been conversations that go on for a lot longer and that tend to be more detailed and tend to get a lot more specific about who these people are and what they want. Those conversations Tend to be that we see those conversations tend to be about drama that is happening between lots of people. They tend to be about, you know, she said this to me and I felt that way. And as a result, we are now in this awkward situation. And I think that you're not treating me well, those kinds of things. But this is not to say that they are not having equally long, thoughtful conversations about exactly that issue. That's an issue, actually, of where should we live that has come up in Bachelor seasons in the past. But it has a very different weight when they are 23 than when they're much older and they have these lives that they have developed versus this life that they are in the process of creating, right. And it would be great to have a show that could really embrace the difference between how those two conversations feel at different stages of your life. I don't know that I trust The Bachelor to do that, but it doesn't mean that those conversations aren't happening. It means for the most part that that they are not sort of embraced as part of the show.
0: Which is a shame because I did read somewhere. I was a little disappointed about the talent show in that they didn't show everybody's talent, and they've set two contestants in particular, Kathy and Teresa, to be such rivals. But then they didn't show us Teresa's talent, and I'm thinking, okay, that's kind of information I would like to have. So, and then apparently I read somewhere that she did she sang a song and you know did a, a pom pom routine for Gary. <laughs> But so yeah, it's like why? Okay, they could have made the show a little bit longer. I would have stuck around to watch that pom pom routine. But overall, what about the behavior of Golden Bachelor Gary? He's not using the D word. He's saying how, you know, you're no longer married. And apparently in previous bachelor iterations, you're not allowed to use the word process. You're supposed to use journey. (laughs) (laughs) So it does make me wonder if he is sort of bought into this very traditional notion of courtship.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's really, that is another thing that it is difficult to tease apart how much of that you are getting from this specific person and how much of it is that this person is being brought into an incredibly unfamiliar, alienating production experience and is echoing the language of producers who are not even deliberately, but sort of because that is their job. Prompting him to use specific kinds of language or whether he is using different language and then they are just only including the ones, the versions that they like. All of these things are possible. What I will say is, like, when you go on The Bachelor, you are accepting the format that the show has created, which includes we're going to be engaged or married by the end of this, right? Which includes... Heterosexuality as like the the dominant and sort of old soul norm, which includes monogamy, which include you know, all of these extremely traditional ideas about human relationships. And this is yet another way that it is a cycle of both production pressure and self-selection. There is a producer pressure to sort of get everyone into line that does like, these are the goals, these are the ends, these are the stakes. And it is improbable that particularly the lead of the show would be there if those were not goals or stakes that he was not invested in, in some way.
0: Yeah, that's a shame. I mean, it really, I feel if in many ways, this feels to me like a missed opportunity for older adult dating representation.
1: Absolutely. There is a missed sort of a missed opportunity for representation of all kinds of dating experiences. That is less the case than it was 5, 10, 15 years ago. We have shows now with a lot more queer dating, with a lot more, you know, all sorts of different, even like standard issue reality shows are starting to cast people who are like in their 30s and they're like, <laughs> wow, it's, you know, it's a whole different world out there. And and so like th- this is shifting, but you're 100% right that like, believe it or not, these things, these part of our life does not stop when you turn 35. And television has been remiss in including and like understanding the the fascination of that for older people not just in dating but like throughout a lot of different like fiction and all kinds of unscripted shows as much as i am frustrated by the golden bachelor i do want it to be successful oh. because i think its success could communicate that to a broader body of executives who buy tv shows
0: yeah. But at the same time, we have shows like Naked Attraction. Have you heard of this show? I have, yes. Welcome to Naked Attraction, the dating show that likes to let it all hang out. Can picking a partner based solely on natural beauty help you find the one? <laughs> Bring it on. When we're entirely unfiltered, what do men and women really find attractive? We are going to reveal them to you bit by bit. Are you ready for this? So, you know, it's an outrageous concept, I use the word loosely, but basically one person is choosing among six, whittling them down based on their attraction to their naked body. And they show them from the toes up, you know, one by one. But it struck me watching this that even then, the outcome is, who do you want to go on one date with based on this? Not who you are going to marry or profess to love forever. And they have had older people. I'm Leanne, I'm 54, I live in Folkestone and as you can tell,
1: I'm an Aussie. I enjoyed a successful career as a dentist in Australia. I was married for 25 years, I divorced 6 years ago and in the last 5 years I've retired. Since being divorced it's like I've discovered my sexuality and become a little
0: bit more sexual. I've also found out that I quite like being naked. So, I don't know. I guess I wonder why The Bachelor itself seems to be holding on to this very traditional way of how even older people should couple up. And why couldn't they use this, like you said in your piece for Vulture, why couldn't they have used this really as an opportunity to completely throw out the playbook and still make riveting television?
1: I mean, the simple answer is... That engagement and marriage are ideas that still have high, clear narrative stakes. That it is an easy way to frame a finale that communicates success or failure, winning or losing. Like These are binary states that being engaged and being married mirror. And we call them contestants and so there is yeah. this idea of a victory or loss that I am in a committed relationship and I don't know how that's going to go, but for right now I'm happy and I just like to kind of see how this plays out. And I haven't said I loved him yet, but he said he loved me, but we're actually going to see like, I'm like, this is, (laughs) this is a liminal place that is harder to communicate to an audience about like love triumphed or loved love failed. Right. And accepting embracing something that is much more complicated and much less obvious as far as like an ending is hard for them in part because they have to make an ending. Like it is a finale and it's just like Jane Austen and like a marriage plot where the marriage is the end, even though anyone who's ever been married understands that actually (laughs) everything else comes after that, but you have to, it is this unnatural sort of narrative device that they are clinging to because it's harder to write an ending that accepts that actually nothing has ended.
0: Yeah. Plus, then you can't have the follow up shows. You know, did they get me (laughs) or do the marriage? So and you mentioned you hope that the Golden Bachelor is successful. I will say that the last time I looked at the ratings, they're strong for the 18 to 49 viewers, and also for 50 plus viewers. And so it seems like even though they've made not enough changes for me, it seems like they kind of now feel like they don't need to. Or what do you think? Do you think they're going to be able to, without making any substantial changes from this first season, do you think that they're going to succeed with an older cast if they decide to do more seasons?
1: There are two things that happen when a show like this is successful and it is then continued for multiple seasons. One is that there is a kind of natural comfort that comes from the cast and that allows them to kind of relax more into the this ser- set of circumstances and it allows the viewers to relax a little bit more and that could be good but it is also always going to mean that there's like a like there will be a slide a viewership slide that always happens the other thing that will happen is that if there are multiple seasons of golden bachelor then people who watched golden bachelor will start to apply to be on Golden Bachelor. And as they are participating in the show, they will be acting out the roles that they think they are supposed to. Somebody will be attempting to give themselves a villain edit. Somebody else will be attempting to give themselves. This is a fascinating thing to me that has happened on every single reality franchise that is around for more than three or four seasons. And I don't know how it is going to go in this particular case versus, you know, sort of a a bigger body of unscripted television, but I think it will largely look the same um, and that it will kind of curdle into this meta game as much as the actual emotional, sincere fairy tale of it. And so I suspect that over time, it will actually look even more like regular Bachelor, if that makes any sense, because they will be sort of trending toward the same end game.
0: Right, it's just the same Bachelor, just with an older cast. And you mentioned before that you kind of stepped away from the franchise and it sounds like a lot of people stepped away. The ratings were kind of, you know, flat and then they came back for the older ones. So maybe, I don't know. Well, I guess we're gonna have to wait and see what happens. <laughs> we will. <laughs> okay, so before I let you go, um. I have to ask, do you have any predictions for who you <laughs> think is going to win?
1: <laughs> you know, I I I can't say that I do at this point. I do predict he will end up with someone though, mm. which is not always the case. I do think that by the end he will be paired with someone. I don't know whether they will actually decide to get married or not, but there is a a refreshing return to a kind of palpable emotion.
0: Oh. How long that lasts, we'll see. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure.
0: That's our show this week. This episode of The Waves was produced by Vic Whitley Berry. Daisy Rosario is Senior Supervising Producer. Alicia Montgomery is Vice President of Audio. We'd love to hear from you. Email us, thewaves at slate.com. The Waves will be back next week. Different host, different topic, same time and place. thank you so much for being a member of slate plus Plus. and since you're a member you get this weekly segment today vulture staff writer katherine van arendog and i are going to talk about a reality show that involves hookups of the professional kind we are bringing back project green lights do you think we're gonna do it justice i think so yeah yeah mm. Especially, I mean, based <laughs> off of... It's
1: day one. You're very confident.
0: Project Greenlight is a documentary about what it takes to be a filmmaker. Action! It's Project Greenlight, A New Generation. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you. So for the uninitiated, tell us what Project Greenlight is about. And it's a, is it a reboot or a revival?
1: What a good question. Uh, I'm not actually <laughs> sure in this particular case. It's a little of both. That was just some of our Slate Plus segment. If you want to hear the whole thing, go to slate.com slash the waves plus to become a Slate Plus member today. Slate.com slash the waves plus.